great question. I don't know who I would be in Age of Sigmar. Um, probably like an Eshin assassin. That's what I think I'd be. Who would you be? Who would I be if I could choose to be anybody in Age of Sigmar? Yeah. Oh, man. Not choose to be. Who are you? Like, well, I'm, very a, I'm a way watcher. So I'm kind of like creeping around in the woods. And then, um, and yeah, I've been, you know, pushed off to Legends. That's it. Shooting my bow and arrow. But um, anyway, we, we're live, aren't we, Rob? We're live. Hello. Welcome to the Honest Wargamer. And welcome to the Age of Sigmar Stat Center. This Monday on the 3rd of whatever the month is, uh, 2021. Hello, everyone. I think it's May. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and I'm joined by Mr. Owen Jackson. Owen, fans and moats in the chat, please. Owen, how are you? Are you well? Yeah, great. Yeah, really good. Nice, relaxing, long weekend. Um, you know, lots of Warhammer. I'd be, I was telling you about how I'm spending three to four hours per base that I'm creating <laughs> at the moment. So having a wonderful hobby journey. Uh, and uh, yeah. Monday. Yeah, I'm good. How are you, man? You all right? I'm really good. I'm really, really good. I want to thank everyone in the chat for joining us live. Uh, I want to thank Mac Readiness for resubscribing, Inferno Storms for resubscribing. Uh, you're all great people. Spleen Thief for resubscribing. I want to start the show off with a shout out at the top of the show, if that's okay. Uh, so today's show, we're going to be looking at the results from the event at the weekend because we had a singular event. I think we only had a singular event at the weekend, or at least a, a big ticket event at the weekend. So me and Owen are going to be discussing that. We're also going to be looking at, if you guys joined us last week to look at the stats, we're also going to be looking at more of the stats. We've had 14 tournaments inputted now. Uh, and I just want to thank the team for doing that uh, since last week because it's been a real uptick. So I want to thank uh, Ziggy, Joe Cryer, Math Mallow, Intern Matt, Pete Pratt, Donal, Colonel Cabbage, James, Tristan, Pask. And of course, I want to thank LLV for being the shoulder, uh, the giant whose shoulder we stood upon to get here. So that's really exciting. And I've got some really cool stuff. Uh, number seven will surprise you. Owen, um, who is Osiart Bone Reaper's worst competitive matchup according to the data set that we have at the moment? Siege. Interesting. Wrong. Um, uh, but more on that later. Yeah, OCR Bone Reapers. More on that later. We'll see. Uh, we'll see who uh, that is. Uh, but yeah, really good. Thanks to everyone for joining us live. Obviously, thanks to all the hooligans over on YouTube. Thanks to everyone on Patreon. Literally couldn't live without you. You're all brilliant. And thanks to everyone on the podcast. Uh, you guys stay hydrated. You gorgeous, gorgeous people. Uh, so hello everyone. Uh, Coral Dawn, Tristan, Warhammer Rob, Prop Joe, Tom Dix, Jen Smorgan. Let's let's get into it. Owen, let's talk about the weekend, shall we? Yeah, what specifically one I had um, on, on Saturday, uh, I had a tuna sandwich for lunch. Is that the information? We, that isn't the information we're going to talk about, is it? We want to talk about Warhammer. Tuna sandwich. I know, Ooh. big energy. But my question is, because I know tuna are getting smaller worldwide, do the tuna sandwiches get smaller? Yes. Yeah, I'm down to like no crusts and like a triangle around about this big. <laughs> it's, just, it's like I'm at some sort of like industry event and they're all being given away for free. Uh, Waffer thin to... cucumber. Almost yeah. almost no cucumber. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, why would we even bother with cucumber? Anyway, we're not. <laughs> I told you earlier, I was like, Rob, I need to finish pretty much close to one. And then here I am bollocking on about tuna sandwiches. Um, no, we had some Warhammer tournaments at the weekend, didn't we? We had uh, the, the big one. Was uh, was the next in the series that the Brizhammer guys are doing over in Queensland? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think pretty big event. Um, you know, sixty. Let me just check here. Yeah, about sixty players. So five. You know, five. Uh, five games. So like a proper two dayer. Um, and um, yeah, we, we're gonna we're gonna talk about all the uh, the different lists and the bits and bobs that came out of that. Right. That's the yeah, one. Yeah. And then, and then after that, we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to look through some stats information for you guys and we're all, and Owen's going to react to it and we're going to have a good time. Thanks to forgive for resubscribing. Big love to you. Three months pog. Thanks to shelf loathing for resubscribing as low. Uh, someone asking whether or not you did have sweet corn and onion in with the tuna or you just raw dog the tuna sandwich. No. So wafer thin cucumber and yep. then yeah, raw onion for the win. And a touch of black pepper, a little bit of lemon juice and some granary bread. That's that's me. Really? Yeah. Wow. OK, very impressive. I, I'd just like to uh, point out uh, very quickly that um, when I was 19 uh, and not smart, so very much like now, uh, I had a George Foreman grill like I think everyone did at that point. Didn't have any food in the house. Don't know why. I decided to try and like I'd seen like, you know, TV shows where you make a meat patty. So you get like meat, ground beef, and you kind of turn it into... I just thought if I just got loads of tuna and pressed it together really hard, it would somehow grill into a, a tuna burger. That doesn't work. Just in case anyone at home is like, got a can of tuna and is looking at their George Foreman and is asking themselves right now that question, can I make this dream happen? The answer is no. Uh, Can't make a tuna burger. I'd just like to point out. But let's move on, Owen, because I don't want to talk about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I took us there. I'm really sorry. But anyway... <laughs> 
<laughs> little bit uh, of adjacency didn't hurt anybody, did it, Rob? Never hurt anyone at all. Um, right, okay, so yeah, Brizhammer Chaotic, 59 players over in Brisbane, Queensland. Big shout out to those guys. They've also sold out their Brizhammer team tournament in under, like, I think it was in under two minutes. They sold all 120 places for their team, four-man team tournament format over there. It's a bit of like, uh, I, I think it's like one of the big ticket items that they have. Um, we were, Me and Nathan were going to travel over there once. It was going to be really, really sweet, uh, but obviously COVID kicked in. Uh, and I think they have like 16, 18 teams on the waiting list, which is just just wild. A bit of international travel as well. I think some of the uh, uh, some of the Kiwis are flying down for it. So it's, it's a really exciting time. Uh, so big shout out to those guys. A uh, lot of terrain to make. Big love to you. Uh, this event, though, uh, they played through Star Strike, Total Conquest, and After the Heart, Scorched Earth, uh, which they um, they retconned to two VP burns and focal points. Uh, Owen, what else happened at the event? What else was going on there? Um, what else was going on was uh, only uh, so I managed to get hold of the pack. Um, one of the players sent me that, which was great. So thanks to Simon for sending me that. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was two and a half hour rounds, Rob. So back, you know that that whole thing about you know three hour rounds and you know TTS trying to trying to get people to play within three hours. You know we're back to that hard mode two point five, like two and a half hour rounds with the complexity of the game is pretty pretty tight, but 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 good on them. Um, and they were playing auxiliary objectives in the tournament. So uh, you had two per round that were pre-specified sort of specified, um, and you could attempt those. Uh, but then one big thing which jumped out, and they like to do this a lot in Australia, is that they had the whole event in a specific realm, and it was the realm of Shadow Rob. So um, you had the teleport, the cute little teleport uh, once per game. But then I think the most pressing or the most interesting thing about that is that all terrain was overgrown. Um, so you Really know, good. You can hide your characters, create lanes. Um, yeah. Um, really, really, really clever. Basically, a blocks line of sight, board wide. So lots of terrain. I looked at some of the terrain. Uh, there was there was some boards there was quite a bit. Um, there was one, I think I was looking at Simon Hall's game uh, for some reason, and they were playing, uh, maybe they are playing Total Conquest, and there were no lanes in between that, but there was something like opposite versus uh, deployment versus deployment. There was some terrain I think was good. I think it's a really smart play by the TOs to try and like have some sort of positive effect you obviously know that i'm writing a terrain pack at the minute and that's one of the key elements that's going in there as well so i think it's excellent work by the tos taking advantage of like the current rule set uh, to make it so that their games are more enjoyable for the players i think excellent and whether or not it skewers the results maybe maybe not like we'll have to kind of get some anecdotal information from some of the players later on um because obviously this just happened yesterday but i think excellent uh choice by the tos to do so 2.5 hour rounds though that is that's that Queensland work ethic is what that is. Yeah, right. Or more importantly, that, you know, 2.5 hours at the table means an extra 15 minutes at the bar. I so. think, yeah, that's probably the real the real story there. It's not about, you know, getting it all done, you know, to be efficient and make sure that everyone has a really good game. It's all about that bar time, isn't it? It's all about getting to that. <laughs> get, get those uh, VBs in them or whatever they're drinking. Uh, one <laughs> clarification, actually, that uh, Tomb King Tristan flagged that um, the point still stands on the, the team tournament, but I think it's the those are the Runax guys, not the Brizhammer guys. So it's another uh, gaming group that are putting on that big team tournament. Yeah, they're all but, they're all they're all mates. It's all it's all like I, I don't want to say it's all. Oh, the same, but... okay, my my bad. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 Um, so yeah, there was um, looking at the meta overall. Um, I've had to cro cross. They didn't have all the information in one source. I've been having to gather everything together. But by the looks of it, you had the usual trend, Rob, where you had your your high amounts of, of order and, and chaos armies, and then less for your death and destruction. Um, so you've got um, 24 order armies, 17 chaos armies, 11 death, and then just the four destruction. So maybe that idea that, you know, the Aussies love running their destruction armies, maybe that is a sort of a generalization, because, yeah, we, we just had the four this, this weekend. Yeah, like, and that's kind of interesting because I know we're going to talk about Dino, who uh, came in fifth place um, uh, with his Sinesh, Uh but he he's run uh, Greenskins before. Quite uh, there's there's a general kind of like big vibe up there for like running uh, counter meta and off meta stuff. Uh, generally, is is what we tend to see. Um, uh, so yeah, like very 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 interesting uh, that we didn't see a lot of destruction armies play, but maybe like a lot of people just pushing the boat out. Like there were some very there were some very very strong armies, and there were some armies that were that, that were decidedly different, and there were some armies that were very on the nose. So I think it was really really good, um, uh, like mix up. But I think that's going to be the trend generally, right? Like destruction haven't had a book in a in a good while. Um, uh, 
you know, uh, so, uh, but Order have had loads. They've had loads of updates. Uh, Broken Realms has given them loads of updates as well. So Order and Chaos are going to be those things that are in people's minds at the moment. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised seeing the, the uptick in those, uh, realistically. And it kind of marries with the uh, the meta stats as well. But we'll get into that in a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Effectively, you know, a lot of what I've been looking at, a lot of what we have been looking at over the last year has been TTS, you know, tabletop simulator tournaments. Uh, But the same trends tend to prevail um, in terms of, yeah, Order and Chaos being the most heavily represented factions, uh, sorry, uh, Grand Alliances. Um, And then, um, yeah, uh, looking at it, Overall, um, we had some interesting results. I mean, one thing to touch on, because like, there was a really good photo on Twitter. I'm sure you saw it, Rob, with like a load of Archeons all lined up like, I don't know, like bar ladies at Coyote Ugly or something. They're all yeah, lined up. Um, all with slightly different paint jobs. Um, but yeah, so again, you know, Archeon, we had, I'm sure people are a bit sick of us talking about Archeon in his different forms, but we had a, a fair amount. It looks like uh, they weren't quite the 10. I think there were 10 in the photo, but I think around about uh, two, four, six, looks like seven Archeon lists. Um, so, yeah, they went from a variety of finishes. They went one and four all the way to four wins and a draw. Um, so, yeah, uh, he's definitely not put him on the table and win. You still have to uh, build build the list around him. Um, and then, yeah, just I'm sure people often ask, oh, what was the top? This faction, that faction. So looking at the the, the big bads, Seraphon, Ideneth, and Daughters. Uh, Seraphon, the top finish was a uh, three wins, a draw, and a loss. Top Ideneth was three wins, two losses, and the top Daughters was four wins and a loss. Um, so yeah, even though they weren't that heavily represented, those books still giving all of the, the you know majority of players sort of positive results. So yeah, yeah that's oh, kind of. Yeah. Field. And I mean, I mean, like, like when we look at the stats overall at the minute, we all need to be like over the moon with the stats as is, like mm-hmm. as the sister sister game system or best game system compared to forty k, because they are they are up against it right now with that Drakari release. Uh, looking at um, a top six, the top six, no top five, in a eight round event were all the same faction uh, from a forty k event this weekend. Just gone one hundred and seventy eight players in the Dallas Open. And uh, yeah, the top six were all the same faction. Wild numbers, uh, wild numbers. So the, the 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 spread of armies that you're seeing here is generally something. Uh, even though some of the armies I feel are problematic, and they push a lot of the other armies down significantly. And numbers above 55% mean bad. That's when you're in the sin category. I still think like uh, there's a lot of room to play with a lot of different armies, and I think that that's a real positive. Um, and the Australian meta is like a really fun one as well. Like we've talked about this before. Like that's not me to say it's off-piste. It's just different. Like different places, they have different play styles. They also have different comps. And it's a little bit hard for you and me to try and break down just how effective that um, uh, the overgrown rule is going to have been in this in this data set, right? Like, yeah, I, I think yeah, yeah, be- precisely. Yeah, and I think that goes to so much of of our conversations, Rob, and the conversations around Warhammer in general, and what's good or what's bad or you know, what's overpowered or what could be good or, you know, what needs to change. Like, there just seems to be, there are so many variables. So it's a bit like herding cats at the moment. You know, you kind of, you have got all this information and, and we can look and look for trends and things. But at the same time, there's player skill, there's dice, there's the mission, there's this, you know, there's the matchup, there's the specific pack, there's how you feel on the Sunday morning on game four because you're hanging out your ass. You know, there's so many variables. Um, it is really hard to try and... Um, Pin them down. Uh, yeah, so that's what we're exactly. here for. The the insightful, wise analysis of two lads who just want to go disco dancing, right? <laughs> that's what you guys have got from the Age of Sigmar community and I'm um, taking it, right? It's totally worthwhile. Right, let's talk, let's talk about the results, I mean. Uh, so, yeah, you talked about the notable ones there. Uh, who took the event out? How did it go? Like, what did they win with? So this was Pat Carter. Um, that mm-hmm. name, I don't know the Aussie scene as well as you do, but that name does, Pat does seem to come up quite a bit. Um, and he was running a, a Hermdar Lords of the Lodge um, build, but not with 40 Hearthguard. He was running it a, a little bit differently um, with some, with a, with a double battalion. Um, and yeah, let, I'll, let's cover it now very quickly. There's been a bit of chat on Twitter and on certain sources about how this list's illegal or that list's illegal or this is slightly wrong. And 
All I'm going to say is that the TOs have signed off on all these lists. Um, and, you know, Pat's list does have a slight issue uh, in that it should be a rune smiter, not a rune master. But I think that that's just a typo. So um, we're just going to carry on um, and, and give. give yeah, some... worth, worth talking about. Go to the TOs about that information. Don't go to Pat. Um, like, 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 he'll be talking with the TOs, and the TOs should just make a statement about it, just so it's clear, like, what the situation is and what they've decided to do about it. I think that's just super fair, like, yeah. that really, that really protects the player, which is the important point in this situation. Um, and then, and then we can go on and talk about it. I mean, like, I wouldn't be surprised with Fire Slayers doing so well leading into it, like, even though it's a non I mean, it's a double battalion, and then you know, it's still got a big brick of Hearthguard Berserkers, but it's different, right? Like, it's got, it's like, and he had the points, he had 50 points spare, he bought a CP with it, so, like, if he needed to change a character around, like, he could have, and I think he could have moved it around a little bit, so, like, I don't think that that's an issue, so, um, uh, like, I think on an overgrown board where Melee is more king, Fire Slayers become very scary, I would say. I mean, they're already scary. Yeah, and he has, um, he's also got the shooters in there as well, which are really good against monsters, if I'm not mistaken. So he's got the, so the list is, um, it's Hermdar. He then has a double battalion. So he's got Lords of the Lodge, which you see all the time. So that's your 20 Hearthguard Berserkers. And then I believe it's the rest of the heroes, Battlesmith, Rune Master, Rune Father. Um, and then he's got then a Forge Brethren. So that's, um, Two units of five auric hearth guard and a unit of ten, uh, along with the rune smiter. So that's where the typo is because it should be a smiter, not a master. Um, and then he's got uh, two units of ten Volkite berserkers with war picks and sling shields. The twenty hearth guard have the broad axes for the rend and the two damage. Um, and then he's yeah he's nineteen fifty, so he's got a nice big fat triumph bid there as well. So it's uh, it's two drop, so he's going to be able to determine. Um, you know, uh, the choice of first turn a lot. Um, there's some cute things. Like, I didn't know what the... Do you know what the salamander cloak does, Rob? I don't. Please, tell, please let me know. Never, never come up. So I just had a quick look. And it's not like in the Sylvaneth book where you get like a five-up shrug against mortal wounds. No, it's good. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a five-up DPR. You keep, that, you keep that rage burning, I mean, You burn more fire on that rage fire. That's fine with me. Um, yeah, so uh, it's the Salamander Cloak gives that Rune Master. Um, he gives him a, a five-up DPR against wounds and mortal wounds, which is great. Um, yep. Got to keep those little characters alive. Um, but yeah, it's got all the usual bits that you'd expect. So, um, you know, it has the Nulsidian icon um, to give the four-up spell ignore. Um, but can we ever talk about Volkite Berserkers, Rob? I yeah, think please. they're really good, you know. Okay, talk to me about why. Just... 140 points for 20 wounds straight off the bat is pretty good right very good um you know and i'm like it's not like in a lot of lists so he he could leave his little fives of hearth guard at the back to um to hold things but but uh, sorry his yeah auric hearth guard but like 10 volkites on a home objective um you're not going to just be able to teleport a little unit or throw a little like you're not gonna be able to teleport a unit of shadow stalkers over and just take that off like they are actually genuine good backfield objective holders um you can leave 10 on your home on battle for the pass or border war and they will have a really good chance of fighting off whatever comes at them because you know they've got the fight on death i believe the war picks are the the rend so they've all yep. got minus one rend um yeah i just yeah i know that everybody talks about hearth card i just i just think for 140 points 10 volkites is super solid um I would agree with you. And obviously like, in Hermdar, everything's Battleshock immune when it's wholly within 12 of an objective, right? So it's not worrying about, you know, things running off. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. I think I think, I think, think all of the elements of the fight, because, like, they have the same stat line, right? Like, two wounds, and you can make them pretty tanky. Uh, like, ultimately, is kind of like the, the get-go on that situation. And, like, they don't take up quite as much board space when they are, like, in fives um, for hot controlling those back objectives, like something like... I don't know, a 10-man unit of something because you can screen out a little bit more, better against teleports. But when the teleporting unit does come in to try to take the objective, they're in a tough spot because those boys will slap back, like, really hard. And that's, that's a very, you know, they're not deck chairing. They're, like, they're, they're guard dogging. That's mm. what they're doing. Like, they're, they're aggressive on that objective. They're not just hanging out there. So I agree. I think that they're really good. I think there's a lot of room to play around with, really, the fire slayers. But I think ultimately with the battalion and also the sub-faction, so, you know, strike for, strike twice and strike first, they, that combination is just so aggressive that, you you know, we see it time and time again. But ultimately, I think you can play around a load there. And I think uh, Pat's done a great job of doing so. And, and like, 
and doing that, which is great. Like I think that's you know it's, it's mm. a it's a good build. I also love that like the overgrown may have had some effect. I'm interested as to whether or not it has because he doesn't need any long range sort of damage to do the work, right? No, and I mean I think one thing to um to bear in mind as well with his list here is he obviously the li- the missions were announced in advance, so round five was focal points. So often you think to yourself, okay. You know, you know that you're going if to if you are going to do well and you've got aspirations, you you, you want to be on the top tables round five. Mm. So he, with focal points, um, obviously you get extra points for monsters. Um, so, you know, you, you would think that certain players would be factoring in large monsters. So he's gone for the anti monster, uh, you know, for build where he's got his his 10 half guard, uh, the Oryx, which do I believe they do flat two damage um, mm-hmm. against monsters. And then you've got the ability to make the minus one to hit with some sort of hot molten uh, lava vibes, I think, at the end of the the, the, the round. So he, he's, you know, he's, he's teched for that a little bit, um, I think. And then, yeah, 20 half guard, you know, going first and going twice is still one of the scariest combat threats in the game. So, And he was know, up pa- against Blazer Court in that, yeah. Yeah, so his path to victory then, if I just jump back oh, to Oh, can I just quickly so throw out that, play... that, uh, that Fire Slayers have got a 56% win rate on focal points. Uh, so uh, they, oh, don't, okay. they don't, like, I mean, I agree with you about everything when, it's, when we talk about monsters and how they get the bonus points, but it's a, it's a battle plan that fights in the middle and the Fire Slayers are just like licking their lips. They're like, let's go. Let's tussle up our naked asses and run into the middle, boys. Yeah, that's what they do. So uh, I think um, I think it kind of makes sense that they they at least do a little bit like above average. Uh, Fire Slayers actually your best battle plans, apparently, according to our data sets. And some of these are like not particularly high. But Blade's Edge, eighty three percent win rate on Blade's Edge. Star Strike they do really well as well, which is just wild. So in our data sets, uh, there's some they've got there's quite a few positive. They struggle on forcing to hand forcing the hand and total commitment. Uh, and battle for the pass where they have to and there's a very good kind of conversation between the difference between focal points and battle for the pass battle for the pass there isn't a central objective so you have to split from the center wide as opposed to playing centrally in focal points where it's it's wide into a center Mm. if that makes sense like so um i could see why there's a, a significant difference between the two there yeah, it'll be a similar thing to like when I like playing my Petrifex army where everything is based around a hero cabal sort of where it's all wholly within 12 off that hero. And the same thing happens with the um, the minus one to wound, which comes off uh, the um, the rune father normally. Um, yeah, so the minus one to wound bubble. Um, there's a number of auras within this which all work off the same ranges. And it means that you end up do having to keep your army quite compact. Um Obviously, he can tunnel up with the smiter, so um, you know he can put twenty half guard in somebody's face. Um, but yeah, the rest of the army then will sort of all be quite bunkered. So yeah, but saying that, Rob, he did beat. So I can tell you uh, what the armies he beat on which battle plans. If you're interested, just would love to feed into that. So he beat um, Simon Hall's Harkuron list, uh, the Cities of Sigmar list in round one. That was on Star Strike. Yeah, we should um, we should quickly we should uh, oh no we'll come back to that you go through this okay. and then we'll come back. Uh, round two, he beat Nighthorn on Total Conquest. Uh, then a Keltnar Daughters of Cain list on Knife to the Heart. Uh, he beat Cities of Sigmar Hallowheart on Scorched Earth, um, and then Blades of Corn uh, on Focal Points. So, yeah, quite an interesting run there. Cities, Nighthorn, Daughters, Cities, and then Blades of Corn. I mean, can we really shout out the Nighthorn player getting through round one on a win? Like, that's key. Uh, like, that's just... <laughs> hey, man, I uh, lost against Nighthorn yesterday. I think they were actually pretty good, you know? I mean, they've got all of the components to be good. They ignore Rend. They whole army flies. They have a deep strike available to them. Like, it's actually really interesting why they don't do well. Like, there's a fascinating case study about, like, what's wrong with Nighthorn that they've never done, arguably, as, like... You know, they've got core components where if it was like, hey, do you want all your units to fly over? And you'd be like, yes, I do. Like, I super want that, like, all the time. <laughs> I think I think it's um, it's the, the low wounds on the, the, the unsurvivable heroes. And um, I actually think it's the output. I don't think they do enough. Uh, uh, yes. No, I think... no good and minus two rend outside of the, um, outside of the Banshees. Um yeah, I just don't think Grimm's and um, Blade Guys punch hard enough in the modern world, personally. Well, it's because they're ghosts. They're really relics of another world. 
Um, can I just shout out Tokyo Nift in the chat who's asked, Hi, I'm new to the hobby. Are all the people involved as devastatingly as attractive as these two? You'd wow. be right. You'd be right. If anything, me and Owen are kind of beat with the ugly stick on this. If you get into Age of Sigma, oh God. Ladies and gentlemen of beauty and charm is what I think. So Tokyo Nift, thanks for that. Also, thanks to Eric Sorbonen uh, for resubscribing. Uh, very much uh, appreciate you. It says Bone Split is OP with that. Um, uh, <laughs> right, anyway, yeah, really good. Uh, should we just talk about some of the other, uh, just being conscious of time, should we quickly talk about some of the other stuff that's in there? Um, uh, so notable results, as you've talked about, uh, was Simon Hall's uh, Hark You On list. Oh, wait, hold on, I've missed two and three, right? Yeah, so we've got the the runner-up. is just, just above that in my notes, so yeah. Um, but the these are in the 4-1 bracket, right? Uh, yes, indeed, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so Ryan Hooper with a really nice big wire list, um, that looked very similar to the, you know, we watched recently in the coverage, we saw uh, the weekend of um, of the Yeti meta, you yeah. know, the list where um, uh, Stuart played into uh, Wurzel with the, the big war and Wurzel had the two big bricks of 30 savage orcs and then the rogue idol. And then yeah. he had like boars and things like that. Well, um, Ryan's list. Is, is a little more, he's got the two blocks of 30 and he has got a rogue idol, but then he's got um, six pigs in there as well and some savage big stabbers. So he's gone a little bit less nice. on the swamp side and he's got those, I always look for it now, you want you want three threats, right? So he's got his, he's got two war docks, I believe, so he can get the the flying rogue idol. But yeah, you've got the, 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 the pig torpedo and then you've got the big rogue idol to fly in and then and then the savage big stabbers. Again, excellent instant into monsters. Um, so yeah, uh, Ryan did really well. I believe it's a it's a four one there for Ryan. Um, and then uh, a um, a zinch a zinch build a zinch archaeon uh, in third place. Rob, this was a uh, host duplicitous, so no retreat um, build. I believe. Let me double check that. Actually, I just want to check Zach's list very quickly. There were a lot of um, zinch lists. I'm ninety nine percent sure it was a it was a zinch archaeon. Uh, well, but that was the podium. While you're answering that question, uh, while you're looking for that quickly, I'm just going to say, Tom B. asks, is there uh, any use for old Wanderers models anymore? Uh, do they get played competitively in any way? Not really. However, you could just always use them as something else, right? Cities of Sigmar generally do quite well with crossbowmen and handgunners, uh, and they're very takeable in that. You could use them as that, like, all day long. I think that'd be fine, and it would fit, it would fit the theme really well. You could put it in Living City if you wanted. Don't have to put it in Living City. Just paint it a different colour. Enjoy yourself. Like, that's a really important point. Big shout out to Darren Watson, always. Um, what was it, uh, Owen? Did I give you enough time? Did I vamp good? It was really good. I found it. I, I got Brizhammer, but I ended up finding the um, the old like Brizhammer destruction, uh, the previous event. So give me one second. I can. Go, I've got it. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. This is great telly. Um, da, da, da. So let's have a look through all the the, uh, the chaos lists. So it was Zach. I'm I'm pretty sure it was a, it was an Archeon uh, in in host. Uh, Duplicitous. I'm scrolling through. Here we go. Yes. Archaeon, Chaos Sorcerer Lord, Kairos Fate Weaver, five Chaos Warriors, two times ten pinks, Geminids, Spell Portal Palisade, 69 wounds. Appreciate you very much, Zach Lear. What a legend. Um, <laughs> I mean, 69 wounds, Rob. Jeez. That's, that's all we. That's here so Hamp, thin right? on the ground, but it's not right. It like it's not sixty nine wounds because immediately it's more wounds on the board straight. But um, uh, but yeah, uh, it's actually I can tell you exactly what it is, Rob, because it's one hundred and forty nine wounds, including the pinks, and when they split, and then screamers are another three wounds each, so eighteen. Yeah. 18 so yeah, it's actually one hundred and sixty seven wounds, which is oh you know above average. So yeah. I'd but, start yeah. every I'd start every game like that. They'd be like, I've only got sixty nine wounds, so first turn's a bit fragile, and then someone would be like, fucking. Rubbing the hands, I'm going in. Buff up the pigs, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> You're like, uh oh. <laughs> uh, Jace Harper says, I want to start a new army. Can you tell me what the best cavalry unit in the game is? I think it really depends on the different armies, of course, but the, the, there's two answers. There's like, there's a variety of good options. Dawn Riders are brilliant, Rue Riders are great. Uh, like, there's a bunch of stuff. But truthfully, it's obviously Pistolators from Cities of Sigma. One, uh, because they've got some great rules, but number two, because they're fugly, and which is brilliant. Uh, so like you could spend your money right now on some glorious looking wind charges or or can I interest you in some beat up old men who look like they're from the TV show Sharp? Your choice. Uh, Owen, which one would you go for? 
always sharp all the way, man. I just want to paint some of those pantaloons. If it, yeah, exactly. If the if the kit hasn't got a number of uh, cod pieces, I can paint in whatever colours I want. I'm not interested. Um, all seriousness, though, Rob, I reckon. Uh, what do you reckon? Death Riders, Cavalos Death Death Riders, excellent. Um, I just don't know if they play into the strengths of that army particularly. I think Winchester's like mm-hmm. like feel like the cavalry at the moment. I think Dawn Riders are incredible as well. I mean, but I know you're big into the Death Riders. Um, I am. I'm all, but I, then again, I also like Drake's Born Knights. So you know. What, what, but I mean, I mean, if we're talking best cavalry, it's. I mean, it it goes back Wild to what was in Owen's sandwich earlier. It was a tuna fish. Uh, it's a it's a it's a bloody eel with something to ride, or a shark, or a turtle. I, I don't know. I, I think that we can't. If it doesn't actually connect with the land whilst it moves, it's not cavalry. Obviously, Smorgan says hex rates because that's what he, you know. But yeah, Gore Grunters, I think. Gore Grunters, taking your point about playing into the play style and synergizing and being relatively cheap to buy, um, I'm going to say Gore Grunters because everyone who plays Gore Grunters seems to have a fucking great time as well, you know? They do, because they're insane. Uh, let's let's talk about Simon Hall's list uh, in fourth place with Harkuron. Now, uh, there's, a, there's a caveat to that in that um, Simon uh, being a very studious uh, person who's been on the show several times, even runs a, a show on his... He's got a YouTube channel, which you can go check out, uh, where he talks about Cities of Sigmar exclusively. He loves Cities of Sigmar, likes the playability and how they move around. So there's some, uh, there's some very specific wording that allows you to take four to one Daughters of Cain units inside a Harkuron army. Specifically, though, unlike Living City, where you're allowed to do Sylvaneth, or uh, Tempest Eye, where you can do Dwarden. This doesn't, or oh, it's Ko, sorry, um, or Tempest Eye is Ko, yeah. Uh, this yeah. does, this doesn't uh, have a restriction on you not being then able to ally in a Daughters of Cain unit as well, because all cities of Sigmar can ally anyone in. Um, so there's uh, there's some uh, there's some fun rules as written like chicanery there, and also like he's even taken Marathi as an ally, I think, uh, and swapping that around to do some super fun uh, janky stuff. So that's just someone like uh, uh, list writing inside of the rules where the rules really shouldn't be pointed out. And I think really knowing Simon, it would be to point out that this is the fact as opposed to because like no one like if someone's saying to me, "Hey Rob, someone's built an abusive Harkiron army," I'd probably chuckle. Like I'd be like, "I'm sure it's a good one." But like abusive would be no. <laughs> like, uh, but he did do really well with it, right? He went four one, like with a bunch of different stuff, like which I thought was fascinating. I don't know what you thought. Yeah, and I mean he only lost to Pat in game one, so he lost to the eventual winner. Um, but yeah, the way that he's doing it is he is essentially, you know, one in four daughters of Cain. That gives him he's got twelve units, so he's got a Bloodbrack Shrine. Uh, Marathi Kane and the Bloodstalkers, they count as the three uh, one in fours, so there's 12 units. And then he's then taking uh, the Shadow Queen as an ally at 390. So it's, yeah, it's it's the way that, um, you know, it's, it's a manipulative way. But somebody else has pointed out, you could do the same thing with Barrack Thring. You could take 40 Hearthguard in Barrack Thring if you wanted to, because you could take... 20 and the smiter as the one in four and then you take you can then add on another 20 as your allies so you know there's the the to signed off on it so you know and he's obviously explained to his opponents so good good on him um yeah and like pete Pete pointed out in the chat really the the trick there is uh the armor save uh, spell which basically is a spell that removes the armor save you do that through the endless spell portal uh sorry the, the the spell portal which gives you more range on that spell remove an armor save and then use marathi to allow a unit of uh, snake uh, shooters to shoot twice so i mean they've got ren but it doesn't matter when you've got zero armor save uh so uh, really clever combination of stuff. Uh, really, really enjoyed looking at that list. I think it's really, really good. Uh, we'll include a link to it in the show notes, and I'm sure Simon will do a video on it as well. So you guys should go check it out because I think it's it's really clever. I think we've seen people try to use that before. It's actually a nice adaptation moving on from what we've seen before where people tried to use this already, but normally they would take something like Dark Shards because there was a volume of shots. But really, like already, Owen, you and me have talked about just the competency of the uh, the, the Shadowstalkers, not Shadowstalkers, sorry, uh, the Bloodstalkers. Um, or is it Bloodstalkers or Blood Sisters? I think it's the Stalkers. It's the Stalkers. Stalkers shoot, sisters fight. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and the thing I like about that is that I played against these sort of um, uh, cities lists um you know, obviously, what were they? Uh, Anvil Guard lists, which had access to the same spell law, effectively. And, you know, you'd have 40 Dark Shards. on Because one cute thing with the Sorceress is that she allows the 
dark shards to run and shoot or basically allows a darkling covens unit to run and shoot or run and charge um but if you don't get the spell off dark shards don't do anything whereas if you don't get the spell off bloodstalkers can still do a hell of a lot so you know with the mortal wounds and you know the three scourge runner chariots they're giving him some cheeky mortal wounds and they've got decent range so he's threatening heroes he's threatening big blocks um even without the spell and then if he does get the spell off then he has a wonderful time um and he's got a nice 1970 triumph bid. You know, you roll re-roll hits on those stalkers and they shoot twice. Obviously, they were probably only re-roll hits for one phase, to be fair. But even so, you know, getting re-roll hits on, on the stalkers is going to be spicy. And then he's got lots of, you know, good objective playing units like the two units of Shadow Warriors. Um, yeah, it's it's cool, right? It's creative. It's interesting. And as you said, Simon and his channel, it's Simon's Order Academy for anyone who's looking to, to learn. And... Yeah, he's pretty much the sort of Cities of Sigmar kind of professor at this stage. So he's yeah. always looking to try and find something interesting within the book. And I mean, I think the last tournament he played Greywater Fastness. The tournament before that, he was probably playing Hallowheart. So he's in and around the whole book um, and, um, yeah, getting results. So There we go. Yeah, no, looked, it, honestly, really exciting. Like you say, like, I think one of the things like Angle is saying in the chat, if you do get Vitriolic Spray off, which MJ Pegasus is also saying, which is the spell we're talking about, then you're in a, you're having a fun time like and you like it must be awful when all of a sudden someone's like no i'm safe on you and you're like what to watch your like nails unit go from like well, i'm gonna roll some armor saves to like just being in their pants is hilarious um so yeah i think that's i think that's really really good really really good really clever i right, need to shout out dino as well doing an amazing job uh on 4-1 with sanesh uh, really good. Like he's taken, like he takes a bunch of different lists all the time. Doesn't really give a fuck about, like I think what anyone thinks about what he runs his lists, which I like. I think is brilliant. Um, and uh, an excellent result there with Nusanesh, uh with fiends. Um, Glotos is in there as well. Uh, so there's that double minus two in a bubble, which I think is interesting and really plays well into a game where there's a lot of obscuring. Shooting generally would be quite, I think, because the minus one to hit with the Fiends and the minus one to hit from Gloss, all are within a 12-inch bubble. Uh, well, the Fiends are in melee, sorry, and the, tw and the, the 12 inches from Gloss. So there's a double minus one stack there if you get into them in melee. But if you just shoot them from outside of 12 inches, they're just in their pants, like on a five-up save on the Fiends. So I think that's an, I think that's an excellent play um, uh, from Dean there. I did mixing actually, that together. Uh, I did see um, a little thing. He he put a little a couple of bits on Twitter about some of the ways that he played it, actually, which was interesting. So he was saying that because it's lurid haze and he can re, um, you know, D3 units. Re, yeah, redeploy D3 units. He was saying that he only ever redeploys the mask. And then what the mask does is it charge tags and then uses the no piling uh, for the new locus. Um, and then with a four up after damage save on the mask, because like, I've played against the mask. It's a horrible thing to try and kill. Um, so, yeah, he was using that to sort of tag and hold in place and then also using it to summon in behind. Um, so, yeah, he's obviously got a very specific way that he's running that because on the face of it, it doesn't look like a fan, apart from the debuffs and stuff. It doesn't look fantastic, does it, Rob, without you know what I mean? It, you know, so it's one of those ones where he's obviously, you know, had to play well to get those wins. I, I would be uh, uh, although smart play allying in the flamers as well. Like you know, yeah, like instead of yeah. instead of going for the shooters that he's already got, we saw that already. Like, and I think that there's there's like Dave Kerr. I think Dino and Dave Kerr know each other quite well. Dave Kerr had already uh, over in Australia been running uh, uh, the Slaves of Darkness play touch warband, but mm -hmm. we'd seen him already allying in flamers and seeing yeah. how effective they were. Uh, so I think like that any chaos really they're looking for that long range shooting or to have a conversation with long range shooting because I would say that the la the list really lacks any sort of way to deal with hordes and obviously what's great about the exalted or just regular flamers is they get bonuses against number of models in a unit so they're like they're a nice piece they're, they're a nice answer anyway because I think he had two exalted right and they've got the rend on them uh, which yeah. is really nice but we and we saw Dave take. Uh, the bricks of six flamers as allies so i think that's just a, a clever play to put him in there and to put something into the army that does not exist in the army like it just you don't have any viable shooting options inside the army so i think that's really really clever um and i think like all round like would have been played really well played really aggressively and also really played into what i think the the obscuring might have done to the game setup so an excellent result and obviously like quite surprising because i don't really think that they should be up that way up that high so I think that's really down to Dino's skill level as opposed to um, what the army can put together. But still a well-designed list, ultimately. 
Yeah, and, and I think I would take two Exalted Flamers over 20 or 22 Bliss Barb. So hold yeah. on, 22 Bliss Barb Archers are 320 points. Yeah. Whereas two Exalteds are 200. And like you say, your point on the, the Overgrown, obviously those Exalteds fly, don't they? So they, they get over the Overgrown. They do. Um, so, you know, they, it, those flying shooting units. Um, I mean, you see Exalteds pop up everywhere. I know that Daniil um, at the moment is running a block, a one unit of six at the moment in change host <laughs> which is pretty scary because they do only hit on fours right it's fours and threes rend one d3 damage unless they're shooting at models with 10 or more ah uh, and then they get that sweet plus one okay, okay so they're yeah they're pretty much guaranteed they're great little depravity uh creators then aren't they fast and they can zip around and yeah okay cool yeah fair play and i can't we can't not talk about um uh, Matt Campbell going four one with Blades of Corn, Rob, and coming in seventh. Big shout to um, him. He's exactly. never given up that corn army. No, and I mean he was he was four and zero going into round five. Um, you know, and he was uh, yeah crushing it. I think I, um, I'm pretty sure that it, he he only lost to Pat on uh, uh, sort of table one game five. I'm pretty sure of that. Um, I will have to triple check that, but I think that was his only loss, um, and that was with a, a big um, a big sort of bloodthirster build two drop tyrants of blood and murder host mixture so um loads of flesh hounds really good in the meta you know loads of unbinds um you know the wrath of corn's got an unbind at plus two and then he's got tyrants he actually put incandescent rage blade rob on the on, nice. on the on the boom thurster so basically if he keys it up nicely what he'll do is he'll go uh i don't yeah he'll go plus one to hit from the slaughter priest um and then so it's hitting on threes and then the command ability from uh, the Wrath of Corn is reroll all hits. So if he's hitting on threes, rerolling all hits on six attacks, exploding on sixes, and then going twice, you know that's going to create some nice boom boomy moments. Um, and he's also got the six inch pile in from the unfettered. So he literally had one Wrath of Corn, one insensate, and one unfettered. And I'd imagine he's using everything to insert that insensate in at right exactly the right time and just go. <laughs> Um, yeah, as, as Undead Ben was telling me the other day about, you know, he, he once played and rolled four sixes to wound and did 16 mortal wounds to everything. And you know, that's <laughs> that's why us corn perverts play the game, right? That's exactly what we play the game. Just for, for that result. And I don't blame yeah. you. Like, that's super, like, yeah, why would you not? Um, <laughs> well, it looks like it was but, yeah. a great event. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Uh, should, we, should we just fire through the, some of the upcoming events uh, really quickly? Um, and then and then maybe in the last 10 minutes, I can just bang through some stats. Yeah, let's do that. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. So um, it seems to be getting pretty busy now, both online and, um, you know, uh, in real life. So uh, we've got my little uh, fun Thunder Tome happening this weekend. So we've got about 40 players for that with my like, little bit of, well, quite, quite, quite serious comp. Mm -hmm. um, also the same weekend. Uh, we've got the battle for Raven Hall coming up this weekend, which is a two-dayer. Uh, quite a lot of the usual um, Aussie sort of players that you see doing well are there. Arthur, Smorgan, um, the two Joels. Uh, yeah, so there's going to be, that should be a good one. Um, and then little thing called, I don't know if you've heard of this, Rob, Super Series Genesis. Yeah, so 23rd of May. 23rd of May, Marauders versus Legio 9. It's going to be a big Royal Rumble weekend after weekend after we have the next two matchups so uh, super series is going to just happen basically week on week out so we're we're fitting a, a double of round one into the weekend after so the 27th and 28th or 28th or 29th or whatever the weekend is um and then straight into the semi-finals the week after so uh, the super series is going to like just be going from the 23rd of may and then just trying to get it all done before the end of uh, Age of Sigmar 3 and get ourselves a Super Series champion for Age of Sigmar 3. The only, oh, sorry, Age of Sigmar 2, the only ones that will ever be. Obviously, more Super Series returning and ways for you guys to enter the Super Series for obviously Age of Sigmar 3 onwards. Um, uh, probably won't do one until January, just because obviously we need to let the meta settle down um, and also whatever happens with the game, uh, because you don't know like what it's going to look like. Uh, but uh, yeah, really excited, really looking forward to it. Marauders, they got their head together. Ligio got their head together. That's going to be a really tight matchup. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to all the matchups, though. Um, so it's going to be really fun. Great to see some guys in the venue again. Great to get some gaming on. So, uh, And you guys obviously can watch it all live on the T-Sports Network. So I'll put loads of stuff out on the socials uh, leading up to it. Don't forget the Monday before, though. That's really important. The Monday before will be the band show. 
that which is uh, just as exciting. So not long, we're not far away from that 15 or so, 18 or so days or whatever it is. Uh, so yeah, keep your eyes to the ground on that one. Um, and then uh, we've got the New Zealand Masters, two day, 22nd and 23rd of May. So uh, same weekend, which will be really fun. Uh, and those guys, uh, sorry, it's kind of like the Australian Masters as well, ultimately, isn't it? The New Zealand Masters, because they, whenever they go down south, they dominate. Is it south, east, somewhere? North. north. I think. I think. Fuck. I think Australia is north of New Zealand, Gerald. <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> but that'll be Tubbs. He's a New Zealand resident, isn't he? Tubbs. AOS Tubbs. Yeah. Pretty sure he's he's a he's a New Zealand player. So um and and the chap that won who won CanCon with Zeech recently. I'm pretty sure he was from New oh, Zealand, right? Magic Hands. What's his name? Yeah. Um, I do know it, but yeah. I, but anyway, good 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 pedigree of player there. So it should be some trying. We'll try and get hold of a list for that. And then another TTS event. Um, Pask is putting on a, a singles event um, using all the lower end books. So this is Butcher's Ditch after Butcher's Buffet and Butcher's tribe there's now butcher's ditch so yeah if anyone's interested in playing some uh, some tts over the course of six weeks he's got quite a few players lined up already i'm going to definitely send links to scriver okay rob so we can put it in the show notes so yep, sure. um, yeah if people want to sign up they can they can do so through that um yeah busy busy amount of time so you're going to blind me with lots of Super cool information now, Rob. Okay, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Uh, so yeah, loads of cool events. Let's let's see what I can do in in nine minutes. This is our plan, right? Here we go. So uh, Age of Sigmar meta overview. So thanks again to the stats team. I thanked them earlier. So we've only got 14 events in the tank so far, um, and as you can see, uh, they, we can break them down into like like if they're two dayers. So we've only got seven tournaments that are two dayers, uh, but it doesn't change the numbers too much. Daughters of Cain riding at the top there. Disciples of Zinch and Seraphon, but let's just take it back to include all of the information here. Uh, oh no, there we go. So I want all. There we go. Uh, so top of the pile, so kind of in the sin category, like we're not happy with them. Daughters of Cain and Disciples of Zinch, but, but put a star next to that. We're going to come back to that because I think that's really interesting. Uh, then Seraphon IDK, Seraphon at 59, Ideneth Deepkin at 58, Sons of Behemoth at 56%. That's down to like a big weekend over in Australia. Um, again, if we had more tournaments, I'd be surprised if that stays there, but come back to me in a year's time. And if it stays there, then I'll do some sort of like challenge uh, as a sorry. Carriage and Overlords at 54%. And then you kind of get into the midfield with Magikin and Nurgle, Fire Slayers, Beasts of Chaos, Safe Startness, all around the 50. OCRX at 49 it all kind of goes down. I think some of the big things that we should look at, Lumineth Realm Lords, very popular army, 46%. Cities of Sigmar, 45%. Blades of Corn at 45% as well. Stormcast Eternals, even though we saw a dominant shootcast list come out at the beginning of GHB 2021, uh, they're down at 43%. Uh, Flesh Eater Courts, fallen heavily down to 39%. But we'll do some quick breakdowns of some of this stuff. Skaven, though, 35% right at the bottom, which is... Uh, yeah, poor Skaven. Now, don't forget, uh, that's from 108 results. Now, when we have more results, some of these numbers will change around. Um, they'll start to average out a little bit more. Some of this is a bit spiky, but it's worth looking at. Now, the Metro view, which is one of my favorite things to look at, is who's playing what. And the most popular army is Disciples of Zinch. Um, very, very close, right up there with 47 examples. So 7% of the meta nearly, with Lumineth in second and Seraphon in third. OCR Bone Reapers. Yeah. Now, that's what's interesting. OCR Bone Reapers, Owen. Yeah, the fourth most popular army, but they're down with a 49% win rate. So they're on that kind of, they're probably the most honest army out there at the moment. They're just mm -hmm. like, they're just, they're just gold, which I think is interesting. Um, and then it just gets less popular as it goes on. Uh, some of the things to point out is Daughters of Cain more popular at the moment than Deepkin, which I think is quite interesting. Iron Jaws have dropped down. Don't forget, we kind of have split up the Iron Jaws and Big War book. You could kind of lump them together. Um, but yeah, they're generally fairly low and you, you consistently get to w armies that perform not as well, the lower down you go, uh, make of that what you will, <laughs> you're going to tournaments, probably the people will take the more, better performing armies where it gets really fun. Let's look at some of the factions Owen. So daughters of Cain, this is what we're going to look at first because they're, they're in our top, uh, win percentage there at 64%. So if we look at daughters of Cain here, you can see. Uh, how they do 64% win rate with 115 matches played. Let's talk about who they do well into. They do really well in to Lumineth. So let me just go find Lumineth there. Um, so they've got 60% win rate into Lumineth. Where they don't do well 
and I think this is really interesting, he's into Magakin of Nurgle with only 25% win rate. So not doing really well there into them, which I think is, is fascinating. Is that definitely right? Because he's got win rate by opposition faction. So isn't that Magakin win 25% of their games against Lumineth? No, I think it's the other way around. They, uh, Oh, no, unless I've got this wrong, in which case it's all... No, no, that's the right way around. I'm almost certain. Yeah, that's the right way around. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was, like, panicking then. Um, there oh, yeah, no, right, I see. So, basically, um, they win 75% of their games into Magakin. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, or 100%. However, yes. 64% is still very, very high. Let's all be really clear. <laughs> Just because we've got Drakari running around at, like, 75% in 40k, and we've had armies that have pushed 70% before, 64% isn't okay. Where it gets really interesting is let's look at the next tablet, which is great. Yeah, so this is Daughters of Cain and how they perform as an army. And you can kind of take out Keltnar, because there wasn't lots of people taking Keltnar. There was only one example. And Drachy Ganeth. Keltnar doing really well. Drachy Ganeth not doing very well. Uh, and those are little independent ones. But Calibron, 68% with Calibron. Yeah, yeah kind of checks right? out. So really good. Uh, versus Hagnar, which are at 60. So I think that is... Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I got it right. Thanks, Ziggy. Smashed it. Go for me. Um, yeah, so Calibron doing really well. So when we look at the 64% win rate for Daughters of Cain, actually, if you're against Calibron, it pushes more towards 70%. And there's a good conversation to have in all of these stats about, okay, your average is X, but with your your performing, uh, your good performing army, your sub-faction that's really, really good, how well does that do? And I think that kind of trans that translates all over. Um, there isn't much to take away really from uh, the the battle plan breakdown um, from Daughters of Cain. They do well into Battle for the Past, Total Conquest. They do well into everything. They struggle in Star Strike for some reason, um, but they're happy in Battle for the Past, Total Conquest, Border War, Blades Edge. Like they're all eighty percent. Blades Edge is seventy percent. Scorcher sixty nine percent. So they're generally doing well, and they're doing even better in Calibron. Uh, that's the kind of takeaway, ultimately, mm. from Daughters of Cain. And I don't think that's going to change for any particular reason, Owen. Like, so that's my snapfire on no. that. You got any thoughts? I mean, it is interesting how, um, you know, Calibron have gone from being that sort of slightly hipster pick when, like, Corey Papp was doing, you know, just before, you know, Broken Realms Marathi came out. Um, Ca uh, Calibron was kind of, you know, he was doing well with it then. But um, Hagnar was obviously you're like your go-to for all daughters players for a long time, right? And and that seems to have switched around a touch now. Um, you know the minus one to shooting and all the teleport tricks and um, yeah, I think super. Yeah, you look at it there; it's super solid into you know for the missions. And we play missions, don't we? We don't play to kill other armies. We just play missions and. You know, having a teleport for a CP, having a spell which does a teleport, and then having inherently teleporting units is going to be awesome for, you know, for mission play. So I'm not surprised they're doing so well, I must say. I'd like to see what they're not good against. Who? If possible. Uh, daughters. Oh, sure. Who, uh, let me just does, like, if, if you were looking, because obviously with them being prevalent and doing being really well, like... So Magikin and Nurgle, like I said, uh, they've, yep. only won, they've only won one uh, out of those matches. Sylvaneth, but we could talk about that being aberrant. Uh, ultimately, and that's it. Uh, everything else, they've got a fifty percent win rate or above. Wow. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So I think because because there's a really interesting conversation if we have this conversation about. Um, let me just kind of fire through here because uh, if you have the conversation, I didn't want to jump to it, but we have it about Lumineth. But we're going to have the conversation about Lumineth by talking about Disciples of Zinch. Okay. So Disciples of Zinch, um, uh, we're going to like they have an eighty-one percent win rate versus Lumineth Realm Lords. So let me just pick there sixteen examples of that, and they win eighty-one percent of the time. Huge stat, like a lot of cases of that. And I guess the real question is why fundamentally, and it has to be. We're seeing all the Lumineth builds we did see. Obviously, we'll see that change. We saw them play with Teclis. Teclis is big, important piece. Destiny Dice and Kairos, just going to shut that down. He's like, I want to get off protection of Teclis. Like, cool, you're going to do one spell auto-unbind, and then you uh, opportunity cost losing three of those. I think also, like, there's like there's the output, and also whether or not they've got, they've got the output as well. Because also, if we jump to Lumineth really quickly, because this is a, a fun little chat, because like we said, they're one of the most popular armies. So we'll jump over to Lumineth really quickly. I can read. Oh, sorry about this. Uh, and have the conversation about Lumineth here. 
Um, they do really badly into stuff where there's a DPS check, like we've talked about before. Magikin and Nurgle, 20% win, win, win rate. Let's talk about Fire Slayers. Played uh, Fire Slayers, 33% win rate. Um, let's talk about um, uh, Zinch. We've talked about them uh, play, playing poorly in there. And even Sons of Behemoth, this is an interesting take, only a 40% win rate. Because, you know, if you can block out that Sons of Behemoth army, and if you can outscore it, or, you know, if you can kill it, but you need to be able to take all those wounds down, and they're generally not doing well, uh, which I think is interesting. If we talk about Lumineth very quickly, uh, and we'll just go through this very quick. Uh, I'm going to do, like, I'm probably going to do a really slow, long show on this, and maybe just put it on. And this, so, it is just information so rich, I'm a little bit over, like, blown yeah, away. Yeah, I know, I, I get it. Uh, so... Let's look about. Let's talk about Lumineth Realm Lords, and let's look at when you run them in Sire as opposed to everything else. Fifty-three percent win rate when you run them in only Sire. Zytrek forty percent, and it's Eumetric and Alithia that are bringing them down. Thirty-three and thirty-two percent. So I think that's uh, there's in some really something interesting to take away from that. Ultimately, the Arulian Legion, though, or sorry, Aurelian Legion, forty-nine percent win rate. Uh, so that battalion not necessarily bringing out uh, the win, but definitely Sire is. Uh, and then some people are taking the Orland Legion mainly in Sire, uh, but sometimes taking it in Zytrek, which I think is pretty interesting. I wanted to jump over Owen because uh, I kind of uh, prepped it on the show. Osiarchs, I want to talk about that really quick because they're a very popular army uh, with a like a middling win rate. So I thought we should look at that and that'll be really fun. Um, Mortis Praetorians uh, do really well, 55% win rate. It's the other, so they're only on a 49% win rate, but it's the other sub factions that are bringing them down. Petrifex, 35%. Nomeriad, 33%, and Staliac Lords, 33%. So actually, you take those away, Mortis Praetorians, pretty pretty good, doing pretty well. Like 55%, you're pretty happy with that, which I think is quite interesting. But, Owen, time to guess. Final guess, who do OCR Bone Reapers play badly into? 13% win rate. 13%. I mean, those Mortis Praetorian lists don't really have a great deal of output, so it's something that's going to bog them down. Uh, I mean, Fire Slayers probably just smash them off, don't they? It's Ogre More Tribes. There we go. Yeah. I mean, my only loss in the current Worlds tournament is to four Stonehorns um, in, in Ogre More Tribes. Yeah, they just... It's great if you're building that grindy, you know, three-up save kind of uh, attrition sort of build where you've got Catacross and a Liege and some skeletons and stuff, but... You know, a couple of stone horns on the charge can blow up. You know, a stone horn on the charge can blow up twenty more tech. Easy peasy. Um, so yeah, that doesn't surprise me. People were surprised with my thundertome thing about the fact that ogres were in the top tier. What what is the ogre more tribes overall um, uh, 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 win rate? Win percentage. Yeah, yeah win no percentage. problem. Uh, so forty eight percent. But I think what's I think when you look at that. Um, and then they spike very differently into into everything. So into Seraphon, they've got like a 43% win rate, which is, you know, so they don't perform just quite as well. Uh, they do a little bit better into Cities of Sigmar, which I think is interesting. Uh, well into Flesh Eater Court, uh, not well into Flesh Eater Courts, which makes sense. Um, uh, really well into Fire Slayers, which I find fascinating. But really it's the breakdown when you look at uh, Ogre More Tribes again, which I think is interesting. When you when you break out into sub-factions, Winterby, obviously, uh, <laughs> really high, we'll ignore that. But we talk a lot about people taking Boulderhead versus Blood Gullet. I've always said Boulderhead seems better, but the stats seem to say different significantly. 53% win rate for Blood Gullet, 44% win rate for Boulderhead. Now, that doesn't mean that's definitely the facts, but it's interesting. Meat Fist, not good. Let's just uh, let's just talk about. Nope, don't do that. I just want to fire off one one last one before we, we go we go because we've got to go. And like I say, uh, big shout out to the stats team, and I'll do a much longer video on this. Uh, and then we've got more stuff to come in uh, as time goes on. I'm just going to look at cities of Sigma really quickly because again, one of the most popular factions. Now you can kind of take Simon's Harkiron stat out of there, which is interesting. Tempest Eye fifty three percent, Halahart forty five, Hammerhall forty four, Living City thirty nine, and then Greywater Fastness. Uh, down at 33%, which I just think is a really interesting breakdown in who they play in. Uh, Hammerhallian Lancers as a battalion in Hammerhall, 44%. So not doing great, but not doing terribly either. You've got to remember, like, 44 is fine, um, which I think is interesting. Um, uh, but yeah, this is as we get more tourneys, we'll have more data for this. Like I say, we'll do like a big breakdown at some point in the future. I need to again thank 
all of the crew who've done this. So just another shout out to Ziggy, Joe Cryer, Matt Mallow, Inter Matt, Pete Pratt, Donald, Colonel Cabbage, James, um, Tristan and Pask, and then obviously LLV. So loads more on that. Like there's, we could do a whole show and kind of like have a, like a, a back and forth about that. And maybe we will later in the week or, or whatever. But um, as we get more tournament data, that'll get even more interesting. I think looking at how armies perform on battle plans will be really interesting. So looking forward to it. Really fun stuff to kind of take away. But mainly, if you're playing Ogre Moor Tribes, you should beat the snot out of your OCR Bone Reapers, mate. That's the thing to take away. Definitely. And and also as a narrative channel, I think we should really just make a touch on uh, what uh, Krinigit has said. And you can uh, it says that you can see why Marathi had no trouble beating Anvil Guard. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Um, I mean, I know you've got to go. So thanks very much for being on the show. You got any shout outs before we head out? Uh, I'm going to shout out. Um, I'll shout out Simon after the weekend so simon hall if people are interested in learning more about cities of sigma i would go and check out his uh, youtube channel called simon's order academy um yeah he breaks down lots of the different builds and you'll be able to sort of um, pick up and learn little all the little tricks that he's putting in with these cities lists because um yeah i think cities of sigma is a wicked army so yeah go check out simon and his order academy that would be my shout um yeah got to do some work now rob Okay, yeah, good. I'm going to go raid someone uh, really quickly for the Twitch chat. Uh, Twitch chat, you've been phenomenal. Uh, don't forget to join me today at 6 p.m. as opposed to 7, uh, as we'll be reacting, obviously, to the live uh, the live reveals, which is going to be really fun. Thanks, Owen, to you. Thanks, everyone, uh, for tuning in. Big love to you. Look after yourselves, and uh, we'll see you soon. Have a nice day.